You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast, certified personal trainers. For those of you who are certified personal trainers listening to this podcast on a regular basis, I want to say thank you for those of you who are not personal trainers listening to this podcast. You are a personal trainer adjacent. You're next to us, but you haven't gone in to get your certification yet. You're just listening to learn. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to the podcast and learn a little bit about fitness, about personal training, what we do on our side of the session. Now, with that said, there are some interesting things that take place on our side of the sessions where we got to create some type of balance. And the balance can be questionable sometimes. So today, I want to talk about how hard do you know to push somebody? Like, how how do you know how hard to push somebody? How much is too much when it comes to training? And most of this comes with being a personal trainer and working with somebody that's relatively new. Because here's the problem. If, if you're a fitness professional, it may have been a while since you've been a novice at exercise. And if it's been a while since you've been a novice at exercise, then it's really challenging to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. In fact, a lot of times personal trainers put their clients in their own shoes and say, hey, these are the workouts I do. This is what I like to do. This is what my current client base who is conditioned does. And so let's just look, do what you can, keep up. Here's the same program. I'm not going to really change anything. This is this is the gig. And um, it's challenging for a lot of people. And there's a lot of attrition when it comes to training that way. And why is there attrition when it comes to training that way? Well, I'm going to read a message that was sent to me, which led me to uh, to, to this topic. And somebody said, how, you know, they want to know how much is too much. How hard can I push clients? Uh, do you have any feedback for this? And here's the story. It says once I had a client do a workout once a week, we did the same exact workout two weeks later. And this person did even better. She did better. And then after the session was over, she said it was too much. And then she went and she threw up and that she decided she didn't want to train anymore. So how do you know how much is too much? Well, that's a great question, and there are a lot of challenges with that. And first of all, uh, I want to start with this. Have I, me, myself, Rick, ever caused somebody to throw up during a training session? Yes, I have. And I'm not proud of it, but yes, I have. I've worked with other people, and I myself thrown up during a training session. Yes, I have. Um, and the thing about that is that I just pushed myself too much. Things were a little bit off and, uh, I wasn't able to maintain what I felt like I needed to maintain. And therefore I just thought, well, I wasn't good enough. I wasn't fit enough. I didn't think, you know, this person did a session that was not catered to my needs. That person did a session that they just thought I could do based off of what they knew about me. But here's the thing. 
when you try to figure out how much training is too much, this is what we call the OPT model, a progressive model. And I think this is why it's very important to point this out is that this is a progressive model of training. Any model that you use should be a progressive model. Nothing should be progressed already with just you showing up at the door. So it's a progressive model. What does that mean? That means that we start with a somewhere else to go. And I see a lot of training now, a lot of this high intensity training, people just jumping right into the deep end. They have no aerobic base. They have no anaerobic base. They have no resistance base, no endurance whatsoever. But they're they're jumping into the high intensity, uh, strenuous type workouts. Now, some people can do it and they survive it well. And some people don't. And that attrition rate, the the way that people fall off is stratospheric. And as a fitness professional, I guess my number one job is to make sure that you're safe. And number two, to make sure you're comfortable enough to come back and try it again, because you're not going to get to your goals. You're not going to reach your successes at all by doing a single session. That's that's like doing a day-long fast and being like, I didn't really lose any weight. What happened? Like That's not how it's done. That is that is an aggressive means to try to get somewhere, but it is not a sustainable means. So what does that mean? I can't just do a high intensity workout and then not come back and work out for another week or two and just do another high intensity workout. What's, what's better? Well, better would be focusing on my endurance. That's why you look at the OPT model and you see the set range. When people are just starting out, it's one to three sets. And people look at that sometimes and they go, one set, that sounds like far too little to accomplish anything. Well, here's the thing. You're not accomplishing anything today. You're not, you're not winning the prize. You're not losing the weight. You're not getting the flexibility or reaching your performance pinnacle today. Not today, not day one. So what are we doing? Well, we're trying to create a base. Base trying to create a base. And I don't know, right? Like, I don't know what your training background is. So here are a couple of things that, that are imperative takeaways and what we're going to talk about today. One is that you don't know how they feel. So it is up to them to let you know how they feel. And you should be open and inviting about it. And what I mean by that is you got to let them know, keep me posted about how you feel. Because I'm going to provide some things my goal is for it to not be too much. We'll get to the point where we really progress you, but not today, not day one, not day two, not day three. We're trying to figure out each other. I'm trying to figure out your body. So here's the thing. I'm going to tell you, I need to know how you feel while doing this. And we have to be able to read that body language. People slumped over, breathing hard, respiratory rate, respiratory rate, um, what they look like, what their countenance looks like, their body language, their face. And if I'm pushing somebody where they're hunched over a lot, they're hitting the ground, lying down, that's, that's too much early on because it would be much better for me if I say, okay, well, let's do that one set. And we could do one set and it'd be progressed, right? Like we can do a one set and the person say, I feel like I can do another set. And you, as a fitness professional, just through experience, will have to look at who they are, their background, what they do, and decide if even a second set is applicable. 
Because if it's a second set and they feel good during the session, but you have no idea if it's your first time training somebody, if they're going to feel good after the session, later today, tomorrow, or the dangerous second day soreness, two days later, how do you feel? Not great. From what? One set of squats. And I'm telling you right now, sometimes people are going to be sore from one set of just watching them do an overhead squat. Five from the front, five from, five from the side, five from the back, 15 sets. That could lead some people to a, a significant amount of DOMS, delayed onset muscle soreness. So how do I know how much is too much? Well, you know it by your first workout, not spending the entire time working out. Uh, you want to slowly build up and get that one to five, um, sorry, one to three sets. And I'm going to lean more towards one, maybe a second set. And I don't really do an, a third set if I have a sedentary client that's coming to work out with me for the first time. I don't hit that third set. And then the rep range. So that rep range is from 12 to 25 repetitions. And I'm usually doing around that 12 to 15 and not more than that because I don't know. It's a progressive system of overload, not a progressed already system of overload. And if I've got a sedentary client that's been doing nothing for a very long time, and suddenly one day with me, they're doing something, everything's an overload. And everything is an alarm reaction from the body. From the general adaptation syndrome principles, there is the alarm reaction. That's a reaction that says, I don't like this is new and this I am putting my body on boo -doo, boo -doo, full alert, shut down, draw bridge drops or lifts. I don't remember which way Ben's supposed to go. The garage door is down. The bolts are locked. Done. I'm locking it out. Your body is saying, I don't like this. And you could do the exact same workout the next time and never have that response. You could have it a couple more times. So what do we do? We be careful. We be careful. And a lot of times we put people in our positions and we go, man, I feel like this workout I'm giving this person is really easy, but it's also a power endurance style workout. We're doing, you know, box jumps and burpees and medicine ball wall passes, and you're doing it in circuit. And it's exhausting. But just because you did a lighter medicine ball in a smaller box, it doesn't make it that much easier on them. At least physiologically, it's still wildly challenging. So, well, I, I want them at least breathing hard. Well, don't do that through resistance training. You don't need them breathe hard through resistance training. Keep that resistance training minimal. Write everything down and track it because when they come back the next day, excuse me, and they say, oh my gosh, my back is so sore. My legs are so sore. You didn't write that down. You don't even know what you did with them. You don't have a clue. You could give them another workout that's worse than the first one because you didn't pay attention to what your first one was. So you got to pay attention to it. You got to know what it is you're doing. You got to write everything down, take your notes, and start slow. Start slow. Well, it was slow. It was slow for you, though. You're strong. You're fit. You're capable. And it's really hard for you to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. That's why, 
and I've been doing this for a while, I see a lot of the older trainers not comfortable with young trainers. And I ask them why, and they say, because I just don't think they get it. I don't think they understand how I feel, how my body feels. And I've seen a lot of older personal trainers who you might look at and be like, how's this person ever going to get anywhere? You're supposed to be young, attractive, six-pack, boom, boom, shorts, walking around. And these, these older trainers are crushing it. Why are they crushing it? Because they're training people like them, people like them who may be retired, who have some disposable income, and who trust them because they think this person I'm working with has a better idea of who I am and what I need than somebody young. And that might be true. Why? Because of experience. Now, you can be a young trainer and you can have experience working with people that are not young. And I still like to think I'm young. I'm not that young. I'm not young. I'm not young. I'm not old. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Don't get me Pump the brakes. I'm not old. Um, that sounded like Rodney Dangerfield for a second. Uh, I'm not old, but I get it, right? I get some aches and I get some pains and I get that some of the younger trainers when, I work in, out, when I'm working out, that they just smoke me. I mean, they're gone right past me. And I've had long, and since I was young, some real injuries that have thwarted my ability to progress, but have also continued to push myself and facilitated those injuries. So what does that allow me to do? It allows me to have a better idea of people that aren't comfortable. I've taken time off and I've gone back to training and I've been incredibly sore just the first day back doing things that you wouldn't think would be very much, just you know, three sets of 10 or 15 squats. Super sore for a few days. For me, that's fine. For Mrs. Rosini, she's not cool with that. She's not okay with going to her job for the next three or four days and making the uh, every time she sits down or she stands up. Uh, it's not comfortable. So what you're willing to have happen to you as a fitness professional versus what the general public, and doesn't mean they won't ever get there. Hopefully we're not pushing people to that point anyway. That's not, that's not where results are found, just to be clear. But um, pushing people to the point of their initial discomfort, pushing them into a little bit of discomfort, but not pushing them to the point of pain, not pushing them to the point like we, when, DOMS doesn't mean you did a good job. DOMS means that you did too much. So it's hard for us to gauge that. So we need to gauge on the side of caution. I would rather have somebody come back and say, no, I felt good, felt sore, didn't really feel anything. The next day wasn't tender. And I know that they still got a good workout and then I can go, all right, well, let's progress it a little bit. Let's progress it and realize you're going to get people sore because of the, if you follow the OPT model, that tempo is awful when it comes to soreness. We talk about like a four, two, two or a three, two, one, zero tempo where I'm getting longer negatives than anything else. That's where you're going to get the most sore. And that's the first part of the OPT model is, is focusing on the negatives. So maybe focusing on that slow tempo and one set is a plenty. 
Well, Rick, I still want to give them a, a crazy, like I want to feel like they're getting a good workout. Good. Get, add cardio into it. Add cardio into it. Give them the exercise and then bang out two minutes on the ski erg or 15 seconds on, 15 seconds off on an airdyne bike. Cool. Then the next set of resistance training. But you also, early on, beginning sessions, you should be teaching them how to foam roll, active stretches, or into some of the dynamic stretches, the warm-ups that you're adding into it prior to even getting them doing the lifting, and then having a longer cool down just to make sure that they are in a good place and they're in a better shape leaving you than they were coming in. And you spend some time focusing on that. And then get the feedback. Because I had a feedback that somebody says, man, it was a good workout during the workout. I felt tired. I felt like I was being pushed, but I didn't feel anything after. Cool. Notes go in there. But not, I was too sore. I ached so much. It was really awful. And then you give them another workout. It happens again. And they walk away. Err on the side of protecting your clients from you with a progressive model of training, not a progressed model of training. And then you have to be there for them when they're not there. Look, I know you haven't done training really that much in a long time, and I know you could probably do another three or four sets before your legs start getting wobbly. But I think one set today is good. How much is too much? That's the question. How do you know how hard to push someone you don't know until you've worked with them for a little bit, which what does that mean? It means starting out with them is not the right time to decide if this is where we push them hard. This is a side where you may want to do a total body workout where you're hitting maybe a nice squat curl to overhead press. Take a break. One set. Good. Do a little cardio. You know, get on the rower for a minute or two. Get back up. Now let's do a, a chest exercise. One is good. Take a break, do a little dynamic exercise, do some balance training, something like that, get them going. Now go into a back exercise. Take a break, some higher intensity cardio if you want to add that in. Take a break, go back, resistance train shoulders. Take a break, go get cardio, come back, do legs, not squat curl overhead press, but maybe just squats or deadlifts or a different part, right? So I did squats before. So maybe I do some RDLs that focus a little more on the back of the leg because the squats might be a bit more quad dominant. All right. So I'm not overloading the quads too much. I'm getting both sides of the legs. Bang out some cardio, foam roll again, stretch out. Session is over. You have everything listed. You know what they did. When they come back, you find out how they felt afterwards. You can look exactly what it is and where their body parts were that hurt and identify what might have done it. And you can say, you know what? I think based on what you told me, you were sore for a day and then it was kind of fine. Nothing was too bad. I think we can do that exact same workout again. Let me know how you feel while we're doing it. But I think that you're going to be okay and not experience any soreness. I'm happy to back off of it. And if they're like, oh, no, no, I can't do it again. Can we just back off of it a little bit? Cool. But I don't think you look at it and go, oh, man, the soreness you're complaining about, perfect, nice. You don't decide whether it's perfect or nice. They decide what it is. And they decided by bringing it up to you that they didn't like it very much. And if this keeps going, you're not going to feel great. So what do we do? Start slow. Start slow. 
I'll tell you what, somebody might train with you and may not be happy that you started slow, and but they're going to stick with you and do another session or two, and then you can progress them and build. But I'm going to tell you, if you start them off progressed and then you hit them again with the same level workout, people are dropping off. The attrition rate for overtraining far exceeds any attrition rate we get because a trainer just wasn't doing enough with their clients. So keep that in mind. All right, y'all. That's it for me now. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it. How do you know how hard to push somebody? You got to you know, start slow and you have to listen to them. I remember somebody telling me that when somebody said, uh, you don't get to decide how they feel because they know how they feel. It's up to us to push somebody. Yes. Yes. We like to be able to push somebody, but that's a, with a beginner client or when we first switch phases from phase one to maybe uh, phase two or from one level to the next, that's not the time to be like, go <laughs> everything you got. This is new. This is a new workout. There's a new program. It's a different type of workout. So you don't even push that hard on the initial transition from one phase to the next. When we get somebody new, you got to start them like they're new. Start them slow, ease them into it, a nice long warm up, add in some cardio in between things and don't overdo the resistance training. Keep those sets low, keep those reps low, keep the tempo slow, but just be aware that that uh, extra negative, the extra time on the negative, the extra time on the eccentric phase is gonna add to that soreness. So you can alter that as well. You can start off a little bit faster and then you can move. And I'm not saying out of control, I'm not saying fast, but not just Tai Chi slow on the negative. And then spend some time saying, okay, as we progress, let's focus on slowing that eccentric down. All right. Hope you found it helpful. Thank you so much for listening. If you got questions for me, uh, like this person did, you can reach out to me on Instagram at dr.rickrichie, R-I-C-H-E-Y, or you can hit me up on email, rick.richie at nasm.org. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast.